Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Reddit Readings, the best show on the internet, as voted for by absolutely no one. But no worries, this is episode 92. If you're not on the Discord, holy hell has it been popping off on there, so get on there, because... Bacon, that makes sense if you've been on the Discord. So today we are delving deep down into r slash choosing beggars for a bit of salt mining. So grab your tea and your popcorn, no salt required. Today's show's probably going to provide that for you. Sit tight, get comfy, and let's get going. Now streaming, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Does anyone here know the lyrics? Ruben! Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour. Taylor's version. With four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Hosted by you slash Flapjack. Woman eats free ice cream on a date then accuses me of giving her the wrong flavor and demands I give her more. I saw a similar story about a guy trying to get a second free meal at a kebab store, and it reminded me of this. I was working at an ice cream store, and this couple came in, clearly date night, dressed up nicely, ordered their ice cream, and I was the person who helped them, scooped it up, rang them up. The man paid. About 10 minutes later, the woman approaches me and she's like, I wasn't given the flavor that I ordered, so I want a scoop of it. I'm immediately confused because I clearly remember what she ordered and I definitely know I scooped the right thing. Also, her cup is completely empty. She ate it all. But I say, ah, I'm sorry about that. I'd be happy to sell you another scoop of ice cream. She says, no! I don't want to buy it. I didn't get what I ordered. So you should give me a free scoop. I I say no. I can't do that. But I can sell you another scoop. She gets angry and we go back and forth for a minute. And the entire time I'm thinking, how dumb do you think I am? It's almost like she was trying to gaslight me into believing that I'd given her the wrong flavor when I clearly remembered scooping exactly what she ordered 10 minutes ago. She even said, you gave me the wrong thing. And I was like, I didn't though. I know what I scooped and it was the flavor you asked for. It wasn't even a busy night, so I hadn't helped anyone yet since they ordered and they'd been sitting in a booth inside the store. So I'd seen her eating her first scoop. Don't you think you'd complain after the first bite if you got the wrong flavor? When she finally sees I'm not budging, She shrugs and goes back to the booth where her date had been sitting, watching the entire thing. I'm like, you didn't even pay for your scoop the first time. He did! And now you accuse me of giving you the wrong thing, even though you ate it all and want more for free? Why not just ask your date to buy you more ice cream? And he was happy watching her try to fight for more ice cream, but wasn't willing to offer to buy her more. So, weird, all around. I was the manager too, so I was probably the last person she should have approached if she wanted to get away with it. She should have targeted the younger and less experienced staff, or at least approached a different person the second time. Shockingly, my memory can only go back ten minutes. So weird. Ah, yes, 
There was a, a, a wise word of advice I saw somewhere that went something along the lines of, you can always judge your date by how well they treat the service staff. Definitely holds true, especially for this one. Run, dude. Run. All right. Next story. Posted by Pizza Investor. That's all we get? A live story, as in currently happening. Backstory. So every year, me and my girlfriend grow a garden. Our situation is different than most people who garden. Our home is not hooked into a well or public utility. So the house is rainwater collection via gutters off the house and porches, and I haul water to support the house and the garden when it's dry. Every year, the garden gets bigger, and we try new veggies and expand the favorites. It's all organic with no weird chemicals. A lot of work goes into it, and we love it. At a point, we get tired of canning and preserving tomatoes. We can only eat so many. So I take boxes and boxes to work and hand them out to anyone who wants them. I love when people enjoy them. Every year, I have people asking me how my garden is and truly interested, and they know it gets me pumped talking about it. Currently happening. This year, my girlfriend's mum and stepdad talked about how puny my plants looked and blah, blah, blah. For months, they did this and also talked about how we should do all these different things to improve it like they are. Well, about two weeks ago, they asked about our garden and if we had any extra tomatoes because none of their plants produced. Me being the guy I am said, of course, we'll bring them over tomorrow. We then drove over the next day with three boxes of tomatoes, about 10 dozen or so of beautiful big slicing tomatoes. These were even ones I kept for myself to can, but said, "Ah, what the hell, I can pick myself more tomorrow. When we gave them these, the first thing they said to me was, this is all we get. I then told them, yeah, a lot of other people are looking forward to some tomatoes too. They were not pleased and acted all pissy for the rest of the visit. Fast forward to today. I get a text from the girlfriend's stepdad. Hey, we want to buy all of your tomatoes. I did not see this message as I was enjoying myself in the garden. When I got to my phone, it had blown up by my girlfriend's mother saying, Did you get Daryl's message? Hello? Stop giving away those tomatoes. We want them all. I bet you're not answering because you're giving away our tomatoes. I still have not responded to them. Help me turn this into a better story as it's currently happening. Edit 1. I will be deciding how to move forward with this this morning. Thank you all for your responses, and the path I choose will be credited to the people who suggested it. Talk to you guys this afternoon with an update. Edit 2. Everyone asked what they did with so many tomatoes. They juiced and canned them all. They had a goal to beat their 100 quarts they did last year. Doesn't look like that's happening. Edit 3. I showed up to work with a few buckets full to leave in customer vehicles today. Still spreading the love around. Homegrown food is just the best food, ain't it? Alright, let's go. From Megatron's Sack Tap. Holiday Art Commission Story. I've never posted here before, but I've been mulling over a recent commission that's still stuck in my craw and thought this might be the right place to vent it out. Please excuse my poor storytelling skills. 
So let's get into this. I'm an artist who's slowly trying to start up a small business doing what I love and producing art. I mostly focus on anime and comic book style art, so realism is a struggle for me. Aside from my sister, I didn't know many artists, and my family and friends can be a bit unrealistic in their view of how long and arduous the process of creating the final product can be. A close relative came to me last month and told me about a commemorative portrait they saw and how good of a gift it would be for their mother. I agreed it was a good idea and told some ways they might be able to achieve a similar effect on their own. They slowly convinced me that they weren't very tech-savvy and that if it was so easy, I should be able to do it for them. I'm not currently working on any commissions, and although my mental health has been on a steep decline, I eventually caved and agreed. Like I said, they're a very close relative, and to disappoint them would cause a lot of problems for me, and generally feel really bad. So, wanting to please them, I reluctantly jumped into the project. All throughout the project, I had minor problems, but things were going okay for the most part. I checked in with them periodically to give updates and ask their opinion on the piece. All throughout, they kept being pretty distant and not wanting to be involved, just saying that whatever you do should be fine, you should be able to just throw something together. That is until closer to the end of the project. They began asking me about if it was done yet and pushing for it to be completed sooner. So, feeling antsy and panicked, not wanting to cause problems, I completed the piece in the shorter time frame, despite my saying that it wasn't done and needed more work. They again told me I should just be able to throw something together and that it really isn't a big part of the project, asking why it was taking so long. To be clear, I was painting a portrait of two people whose photos I had to personally acquire through hours of research, then further hours of editing to even have a usable reference. Then I needed to color block out a more realistic classical art style that I'm not at all comfortable with. It's well known, and I even reminded them that I am in no way, shape or form a classical artist. Anyway, all in all, I spend about 20 hours total on this portrait piece, and when I finally showed them the final product, they just said, Oh, that looks really goofy. Yeah, I don't want that. They asked to see the edited reference picture I put together and said that it looked much better, and that they just wanted that instead. After 20 hours of work and stress, I just wanted to cry at how nonchalantly they brushed me off. In my head, I was screaming about how much work I'd put into the piece and just how long it took to put together, let alone all the stress in my life that was preventing me from taking commissions in the first place, only to have this long, unpaid project to be casually tossed aside like it wasn't even anything. I messaged my sister about it, who's been a struggling artist for over a decade, and she just said, Yeah, that sucks, man. People can be arseholes, and kind of shrugged. I know this isn't the most insidious or over-the-top choosing beggar story, and maybe I'm overreacting, but I just have to throw it out there that if you know an artist and they're willing to do work for free, please don't just shrug off their work. It's such a blow, and really crushes someone's spirit to really put their heart into a project to please you, just to have it smacked down with such indifference.
Yep, as a freelance creator, I can absolutely confirm that there is a direct correlation between low budget and pain in the ass clients, and that extends all the way down to free. They are always the worst and the least grateful. And that's what's magic about Reddit readings and the community that's growing around it. It is just absolutely fantastic to absorb all that enthusiasm. Anyway, on to the next story. Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do too. While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. In this podcast, we bring you bi-weekly discussions on possible scientific explanations behind the supernatural. Backed up by research articles and other credible sources, we do deep dives into things like archaeology and physics and share in-depth discussions with topic experts. Visit us at SpookyScienceSisters.com to listen to a couple of skeptics debunk some of your favorite alien encounters, cryptid sightings, and ghost stories with science, sass, and a significant amount of laughter. Thank you, and stay spooky. Hosted by Dave AWB. Ex-friend wanted me to work for him. Guess how much he wanted to pay? Fifteen or so years ago. Yeah, quite some time ago. I'll recount the story as I remember it. I'd found myself in a weird situation where I'd been left jobless after leaving my previous job to start a new one. The new job never materialized and I found myself out of work. Thankfully, I'd kept strong enough savings to cover my mortgage and bills for a few months. One of my neighbors, whom at this point I'd been friends with for a year, was a self-employed air conditioning fitter. I'd mentioned to him my predicament over a drink at our local bar and he mentioned he may be able to help me out in the short term with some small jobs he had coming up. Great, I thought. A few extra dollars won't hurt, right? Plus, doing some manual work may be just what I needed. Well, a week passes and my neighbor gives me a call and mentions he has a friend that needs some development work done. I'm a software engineer by trade, and would I be interested in being introduced to them? This surprised me, given his background as a tradesman, but sure, this sounded great. Sure, I said. Let me get their details and I'll set something up. He looked at me puzzled and said, Uh, no, I'll set it up. You just need to come on a call when I ask you to, okay? Alarm bells were starting to sound in my head. Okay, just what exactly is this work? I asked. He responded that they were looking for someone to do a quick once-over of their website. Nothing too serious. Apparently they had an agency build it for him a few years prior and need some maintenance work done. Now, this isn't exactly my area of expertise, but I did have a grounding in web development, though my knowledge was a little outdated. This is where it got weird. I asked him how much his friend was willing to pay for my time. His response is permanently etched into my memory. What? If anyone's going to pay you, it'll be me and my business. But since you're out of work right now, you've got loads of free time to just do this as a favor for me. I politely declined his overly generous offer. He immediately got mad at me, shouting down the phone things like, You can't decline this. I've already told my friend I know someone that can do the work. And you're going to claim job-seeking benefits anyway. That'll be good enough payment. The conversation lasted a few more minutes with me trying to get him to see at least a little reason. We'd been friends for some time after all. 
enough was enough, and I hung up. 30 minutes later, my doorbell rings. I was in the middle of typing out some emails and just about to start doing some general chores around the house. Surprise, surprise, it was my neighbor. He was so offended that I hung up on him that he just had to give me a piece of his mind. Needless to say, I wasn't going to take much more of this and just closed the door on him, moved to another room and ignored the banging at my door. As fate would have it, I found a new job pretty quickly. The company I ended up working for was run by a great guy that I got on with really well. Over lunch, nearly a year after the ordeal above, I found out that my boss knows my idiot neighbor as well as the client that wanted the work done on his site. They'd been friends for years. Not only was the description of the work completely wrong, but the client were also willing to pay big dollars for someone to work in-house on their site for a year. I'm so glad I dodged that bullet. Though living near to that guy did take its toll. If anyone cares, the idiot neighbor moved away a few years later. Good riddance. Come on, man! You're not even offering him to work for free in exchange for exposure! (laughs) Alright, next one. Posted by Schnoomuffins9396 We like the BMW better. This happened at the worst time of our lives. Our 20-year-old son had died. This story is what happened the day we came home from the funeral. We were flying home after our son's funeral, and my husband's sisters, Millie and Mary, accompany us and are coming to a memorial service the next day. On the flight, one of the sisters, I don't remember which, tells my husband that they don't have a rental car reserved. My husband says, sorry, I can't help you. We're getting picked up by our neighbor. He tells them they can use his corporate discount at XYZ Car Rental and get a great deal. Problem solved. Not a chance. After we had landed, we're waiting for all the luggage. We had two bags for the four of us, and they had eight bags for three people. Obviously, we had our luggage long before they even had half of their luggage. Our ride shows up, and we tell Millie, Mary, and Nephew to call us when they get settled at the hotel. We made reservations for them near our home and close to the church where the service will be held. Note. They didn't want to stay at our house because we didn't have a pool, and they were treating this as a Mini vacay! Hours go by, and we haven't heard from anyone. We call, we text, we call mum, but nothing but radio silence from the terrible trio. Four hours later, they finally call my husband. We find out they're not in the hotel we arranged, extended stay place with in-room kitchens and an outdoor pool. It was July. They were at a freaking five-star hotel about 45 minutes away. When my husband asked what happened, Millie tells him, The lines were too long at the car rental, but the limo rental had no one in line, so we took a limo, and the limo driver was so nice. He told us he could take us to a better hotel, one with an indoor pool and room service. So that's where they went, stuck at a really nice hotel, still with no car. I suggest to my husband, after he calmed down, that his sisters could use my car. We wouldn't really need it for the next few days. 
My husband calls his sister back and tells her that I will allow them to use my car as long as no one smokes in it. This is a hard rule with me, and they agree. We drive to the hotel and my husband, who's still fuming, says, just drop the keys at the desk for them and we're out of here. So I walk in with my car keys, go to the front desk and tell them that I'm just dropping off keys for Millie and Mary and could I use an envelope? As I'm writing down where the car is parked, Millie and Mary walk up to the front desk. So I just hand over my keys, tell them where the car is and turn to leave. The girls follow me out to the parking lot, said they wanted to say hi to my husband and ask if we wanted to go out on the town tonight and do it upright. Who is parked next to my car, small four-door sedan, in his new BMW. When they looked at the keys and saw they weren't to the BMW, they lost their fudge. Millie starts, Oh, um, we need the bigger car, we have more stuff. Mary complains that the sedan would be too small for Nephew, who's a big boy, and she would feel better in the Beamer. My husband barely makes eye contact with anyone, tells me to get in the car, we've got arrangements to make, and off we go. The girls call mum, of course, and complain to anyone who would listen that they didn't get to drive the Beamer. And oh yeah, they were 45 minutes late to the memorial, dressed in tank tops, cut off shorts and flip flops. And the kicker? Millie and the nephew are smoking as they get out of my car. Wow! What absolute And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, that is all we have time for today. Thank you very much for listening. I hope to see you again in next week's episode. And make sure, if you're not already, that you jump on the Discord because you are missing one hell of a party if you're not. Take care. Peace out. See you soon. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there.